Good evening. Brother Don asked me to uh, come do this at PTP last fall, and I accepted, and I looked down on the list of where he wanted me, and I feel a little bit out of place since my name's not Jones. You got Jones last week, and you got Jones next week, both two of my uh, favorite speakers to listen to. Sat at the feet of those men for a long time, and I am humbled to be here tonight and a little bit nervous. And I don't get nervous, so that's, uh, y'all have apparently had a really good summer series. I'd like to have been here and like to stay. I am going to stay for a couple days. Tonight we're talking about profanity and swearing. Brother Leon Brown is the minister at the Grant County Church of Christ in Dry Ridge, Kentucky. We've worked with them for a couple years now, and he told me this story the other day when we were there helping with VBS. A man was driving to work, and unbeknownst to him, he was being followed by an unmarked police car. He wasn't breaking the law or anything, but he was being followed because the police officer was going to the same location close to it. In the trip, a man very recklessly pulls off in front of him, cutting him off, nearly causing a huge accident. As the police officer turned on his lights to cite this man for reckless driving, he came past the car in front of him, immediately changed his mind, pulled the man over, arrested him, and booked him for grand theft auto. Took him down to the station, stuck him in there for a couple hours, That's when he humbly came back with his hat in his hand and he said, Sir, I must apologize to you. I have made a grave mistake. I arrested you for grand theft auto and I've taken too much of your time. You are free to go. He said, Free to go? You're right. You made a mistake. You want to explain to me why you watched that man cut me off so egregiously and then you pulled me over for grand theft auto? He said, well, sir, I've been following you for about three miles. And I saw your WWJD sticker on the back. And God is my co-pilot. And I saw the the Jesus fish and another, uh, several other bumper stickers that said you were a religious man. And as I pulled up beside you and watched your gestures and listened to what you were yelling, I knew that couldn't be your car. (laughs) And so we start tonight talking about profanity with a definition of profanity. Obscene language, this came from Google. If you Google profanity definition, this is what you get. Obscene language, a swear word or an oath, irreligious or irreverent behavior. It's interesting to me um, that we have to define this. One of the reasons I defined it is because I like the synonyms. They help bring it home. Everybody knows what profanity is for the most part. However, in our society, we've become lax with profanity. Maybe not so much in what we speak, but what we allow to be spoken around us. And so let's look at some of the synonyms that come with that same definition. Oath, swear word, expletive, curse, obscenity, four-letter word, dirty word, excretion, imprecation, and there's more, blasphemy. Who would have thought that swearing... Or using profanity could be considered as blasphemy, but that's a synonym. Swearing, foul language, bad language, cursing, 
cuss and cuss words. It kind of brings it home. In the second definition provided by Google, it's a swear word. We had that in the topic, profanity and swearing. And i got to tell you briefly, when Mr. Don gave me a choice of several topics, and this was one of them, and i got to admit up front, I know what I'm talking about when I talk about profanity and swearing. Been there and done that. Too much of it for too long, as though one wasn't enough. In the second definition provided by Google, it talks about swear word. So when we go into the Bible tonight, let's just start right there. In Matthew 5:37, Jesus said, Let your yes be yes and your no's be no. He'll say that again in James chapter 5. James will write about that. A simple yes is enough. Even an emphatic yes is enough without adding an expletive in front of it. This passage is talking about taking an oath or adding a guarantee to it. We need to remember, we can just say yes without saying blank yes. i got to tell you, I'm going to put a lot of blanks in this sermon tonight because I'm not going to say some of the offensive words that we hear every day. Profanity could be used in front of an oath, but let's talk about some other times when profanity could be used. In anger, in pain, in great excitement, sometimes when we are deeply passionate about something. If you've watched a, a recent ball game where the score's close and things are tied and Umpire makes a bad call when we're deeply excited or passionate about something. Well, those seem to be times when I notice profanity. I'm also aware that profanity has become more and more commonplace. Take, for instance, on your TV. When I was a child, I remember watching TV, and you, know, you could watch all night, and you, you wouldn't hear... You wouldn't hear a dirty word. You could be watching a ball game, and if the camera was zoomed in enough and a professional player mouthed the wrong word, the announcers apologized for it. We're sorry you had to see that because profanity was something different. I know as a kid when I went to the ballpark, I didn't hear the language that I now hear from the ballpark. I remember my grandfather, who was not a Christian. I didn't hear him say a curse word until I was in college. And even in college, I came to understand, because I had become proficient at the use of the language, I understood my grandfather chose the times that he used his curse words. He never did it around my mother or his wife. And as a child, he never did it around me. That's very interesting to me that he could control that. I think sometimes folks use profanity for the same reason that they take up smoking or chewing tobacco or drinking a beer or some other alcoholic beverage because they, they want to be accepted. Just like we change the way we dress so that we fit in. Sometimes we change the way we speak so that we fit in. I remember my very first curse word. I was in Miss Randolph's room. It was about third period. 
I was in the ninth grade. Miss Randolph was an art teacher, so we had those desks. There were four little art desks that were butted face to face, end to end, and so all four people were just kind of looking at each other, and you had plenty of room to do your art. And I remember when this word came out, I was shocked that it came out of my mouth. I was shocked that it was grammatically incorrect. I was shocked that I didn't die immediately. I met my wife in the nursery when I was six months old. I thought if you said a curse word, you would die. And there it came. And everybody laughed at me. Well, not everybody, just the three people at the table. And I I can tell you their names too. I was embarrassed and ashamed. And I made a little promise to myself at that point. I would never cuss again. But if I did, I would do it right. Don't make promises to yourself. Just say no. Don't put that extra on there because I almost lost my wife because of my language. She told a friend of mine, she said, yeah, I think he's going to ask me to marry him one day. But you better clean that mouth up first so I'll never do it. She said, as a matter of fact, I'll never even kiss it. We were good friends long before long before we uh, started dating. There are even places now where it is socially acceptable to use profanity. Speaking of my wife, she teaches kindergarten and first grade at Covington. We have consolidated a lot of our classes for the past year and a half because we had to build an auditorium that would get us out of two services. We've had some construction going on. Over the last fall, she had quite the large class and had some first and second graders in there. And she discovered in class that it's apparently okay to use profanity on the football field. Young parents... And older parents, parents of small children, you need to understand those who teach your children know more about what's going on in your house than you think. Because we hear it from these young people. Now, we take it with a grain of salt because of their perspective. But as she investigated this a little bit further, she found out that these boys run up and down the sidelines on Friday night. And they kind of help out. You know how it is when you go to a high school football game, the whole town turns out. Y'all got one high school here in, Co- in McMillan. That's the way it is in Covington. I mean, the, the crowd turns out. And there's a place where the children play in, uh, down in the front. It's kind of a nice thing because parents can still keep an eye on them because they ain't watching the game. They got their own thing going on. And what they heard on the sidelines was adult coaches and young players and managers speaking in words that ought not be spoken out loud. And what they saw was they all got away with it. And what they learned from it was there must be times when you can use swear words and get away with it. Their take on it, as they told my wife, was football players can use bad words. As a matter of fact, they might even need to use bad words. The obvious conclusion is this, you may not be able to say it in class, at school, or at the dinner table, or at church, but there are places where profanity is acceptable. 
our young people picked up on that. Maybe it's at work. Certainly there are certain jobs where profanity is commonplace. I used to be a school teacher, and then I was in construction. I was actually in construction before I was a school teacher, and I thought construction was a place where you would, you know, you really get down to the bottom of the barrel as far as language goes. And then I went into the teacher's workroom where teachers went to have their lunch. And I realized real quick, it's not just construction people. It's educated teachers can talk like this too. Not in front of the children, but when they let their hair down, so to speak. They didn't eat many lunches in the teacher's room for that reason. Maybe certain gatherings or rallies, it's okay to use profanity. Maybe when we talk to certain people, it's okay because they only understand that language. And so we justify using that. As a minister, I find it interesting that most people can control their tongue when they're around a minister. It's amazing. I know we're going to talk about James in just a minute, James chapter 3 and Tame of the Tongue. We're going to get there. But I need to tell you what I witnessed one day at a benefit dinner and auction. Some friends of mine and I went together and we bought a round of golf at the Memphis Country Club. There's a thousand members of the Memphis Country Club, and if you die, you cannot pass it on to your children. They have to... You can recommend that, but they have to be on the list. And when they get on the list, uh, then they have to be voted in. And if one of those thousand people doesn't like them, they're not getting in the club. They'll go to whoever's number two on the lengthy waiting list until they find out it's a prestigious place. You can't play golf there unless you know somebody. We figured none of us are ever going to know anybody, so this is our chance. So we paid way too much for a round of golf at the Memphis Country Club. And the guy that, owned, that, that, that donated it had to play with us. When we got there that day, he sent us a note, said he was going to be a little bit late for us to head on out to the green, practice some putting, you know, do whatever we wanted to do. He'd be 10 minutes late. Sure enough, right on the money. This CEO was 10 minutes late. And he came up and he said, Guys, I'm blankety-blank sorry. Something came up, and I blankety-plank couldn't get away. Blankety this, and blankety-blank that, and on and on. And he says, which one of you is the blankety-blank doctor? And a friend of mine has got his doctorate. Had to explain that he wasn't a medical doctor, but had his doctorate. Was the principal of a school, and this, that, and the other. And we teed off, and his shot wasn't very good. And my two friends went and jumped in one of the carts and left me with blankety-blank. And we blankety-blanked down the fairway, and he hit a shot, and more explicitives came out. And we got to the green, and he said, well, Ken, that's my other friend. He said, I know what John does. He said, what do you do? And Ken explained to him, he's a sheet metal worker, and he's done all this. And there was a whole lot of blankety-blanks and blankety-blanks and blankety-blanks. Well, on the sixth hole... I hit my ball over the green, and the green was banked up, and it was left me with a terrible shot on the other side because it fell off about 15 feet on the back side. When I did that, Ken hit his ball over there too, and I think he did it on purpose. We got over our balls were about four feet apart, and he said, I know it's wrong to gamble, but John and I got a, a Coke on this. 
He said, I'm saying that it happened on the way to the second tee box, and John says it happened on the second tee box. And I said, well, it happened on the second tee box. That was when this man looked at me, and he said, well, Jeff, I know what John does, and I know what Ken does. He said, what do you do? I said, I'm the associate minister for the Covenant Church of Christ. And the birds quit singing on the golf course that day. <laughs> and this man turned a shade of red that, that makes your pews look rather dull. And you know, for the next 16 holes, he did not utter one foul word. And he had some bad shots. And I know he was thinking of but in the presence of a preacher, he wouldn't utter that word. You know, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, where it says, Consider and provoke one another to love and good works. You know why you need to come to church? Keep you talking right, for one thing. There was a time in my life where I should have been in church every day, 24 hours a day. It would have helped me out. There are those who are going to make it a point to cuss around the preacher. Like I said, we've had construction going on now for a little over 12 months, and there's a painter. Ever since he, he doesn't miss the opportunity to slip in a foul word. Not anything that, I don't know, I, I guess we, we, we'll talk about ranking sins in a little bit, but as far as curse words go, some of them worse than others, I think. Bottom line is punishment for sin is death. So if one's wrong, then the other one's equally wrong. There are none that are worse than others. But there are some who will make it a point to see what you're going to do, see how you're going to react, maybe to call them out. We've defined what profanity and swear words actually are. and We touched on where profanity is often used and even when profanity is used. And to some extent, we gave some reasons why folks use profanity. In a list of who, what, when, where, and why, we only have who left to talk about. So we're here tonight as Christians. Christians who profess that the Bible is the Word of God and is unerring and everything in it, inspired by the Holy Spirit. As we talk about who uses profanity, we're going to go to the Word of God tonight. You might be surprised at the number of passages that involve the words that we say. Proverbs is full of them, way more than I can list. I have a legal pad that's got three pages before I quit because there's no way in the time allotted that we could cover them all. So we're going to go over a few. Before we uh, go on, I want to remind you what profanity is, obscene language, a swear word, an oath, irreligious or irreverent behavior. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's look at verses 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you who were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Don't forget that price. We sang a beautiful song about Jesus in the garden a few minutes ago. It really illustrated the price when he said, let this cup pass from me. 
We know that in Acts chapter Acts chapter 20, we're told, purchased it with his blood, the church. Remember who you are. Since the world views profanity as that which is irreligious or irreverent, even blasphemous, how can we be glorifying God when we speak so offensively? In the scripture that we read right before I came up, Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or in deed, do all for the glory of God, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Paul specifically put in there in word or in deed. We need to be careful about the words that we use. No doubt you expected to hear from James chapter 3. James chapter 3 beginning in verse 5. James writes about the tongue. I've highlighted and made large so you can see beginning in verse 10. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh water. And we talk about profanity. It used to be four-letter words, and I think it used to be seven. But no doubt that list has gotten larger. We won't even have time to address euphemisms, which mean the same thing. We just substituted a word in its place. We cannot maintain our Christianity if we continue to use profanity. There's no excuse. The man of God will not use Profanity, you may be thinking, but preacher, don't forget, the tongue cannot be tamed. Your thinking is correct. However, while the tongue cannot be tamed, that which guides the tongue will change what comes from it. From it, from it. Turn to Mark chapter 7 for me. Mark chapter 7, we're going to begin in verse 14. I want to point out too what I used to be. The things that I used to say. The things that I was very good at saying. I don't say those things anymore. I'd be lying if I told you they didn't come to my my mind. I said them for too long. And they're there. There's some things you cannot unsee. You've heard that. There's some things that you cannot unhear. Which, by the way, goes down to our selection of movies we watch. Doesn't it? as Christians. Oh, just a little bit will work. It's just a little. I did a skit with my son. Once I found it, we rewrote it. We worked it together. And there's a part in there where the son comes in. He says, Dad, the the guys are going to see a a rated R movie. And I know what you're going to say, Dad. You're going to tell me no, but I want you to know something, Dad. I want you to know there's just a little bit of cussing in it. Dad, I hear that at school all the time. And when I, at my job, I hear that at my job. I, it's cussing. I, I, Dad, I, I understand. It's wrong. I, I got that. And, Dad, you're going to say something about the nudity. And, Dad, there's just a, it's just a little bit of nudity. But, Dad, it's the human body. You know, I can open up any one of the magazines now. Outdoor Life has got indecent pictures in it these days. And it's just... Dad, it's, I understand. It's it's bad. And, and and he goes down and he talks about all these things that this show had and, and a, just a little bit of it, and Dad, he understood. So I said, son, you can go. He said, what? 
I said, yeah, you can go. I made your favorite cookies, too. I knew you was going to ask. I knew when this movie came out. So I've been, I've been preparing for this day. And I made you this, these cookies. They're your favorite. They're chocolate chips. By the way, this is, this is a fake story, okay? This is a skit we did. Don't think bad of me in a second. I'm also a dog trainer, so the skit fits. And so I said, I made your favorite cookie, son, or chocolate chip. Here you go. Try one. You can take them to the movie with you. Just, you know, you know how it is. Take a purse. Put them in there. He takes a bite and he said, Dad, that is a good cookie. I said, you don't taste it, do you? I said, I changed it just a little bit. He said, what do you mean? You changed the perfect recipe just a little bit. I said, yeah, I changed it just a little bit. Just a little bit, son. It won't hurt you. Nothing wrong with it. It's just a little bit. He said, what are you talking about? I said, I went out to the kennels and I got just a little bit of what was laying on the ground and mixed it in to the batter. He said, what? You did what? It's just a little bit. It won't hurt you, right? How much sin does it take to draw us away from God? Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says, Your iniquities separate you from God. Even a little bit. Let's look at this verse. Chapter four, uh, 7. Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 14. After he called to the to the crowd, as he called the crowd to him again, he began saying to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand there's nothing outside the body which can defile him if it goes into him. But the things which proceed out of the man are what defile the man. When he had left, verse 17, when he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples questioned him about the parable, and he said to them, Are you so lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then is eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he was saying, that which proceeds out of the man is that which defiles the man. For that which proceeds out of the man is that which comes from the heart. How do you tame the tongue? Well, you don't tame the tongue, but you change the heart. Our computer's bad. Well, I hope not. We've got one up here and we're making great use out of it. It's a great benefit to our service. But we understand what goes into this computer is the only thing that can come out of it. And the same thing goes for our lives. My wife and I recently moved. We lived in the same house for 24 years. Oh, two bedroom, one bath. Little bitty old house, 1,199 square feet. We were fortunate enough to buy another house, and I'm ashamed to tell you it's got four and a half bathrooms in it, but we got a great deal on it. It was a member of the church who passed on, we got it at auction. They raised three boys in two bedrooms and one bath. And our neighbors across the street, they had three bed or next door, they had three bedrooms and two baths or four bedrooms and two baths, but they also had nine children. No kidding. And one day, one of them was out in the yard and yelled an expletive. That kid's not but nine years old. What in the world's going on? Why would she say that? And then she said it again. So my wife asked the... I asked the mother. She said, well, she has Tourette's. 
I don't know if you're familiar with Tourette's syndrome. Tourette's syndrome is a neurological disorder. It's actually way more common than what most of us think. But a movie back in the 70s came out, and, and it was characterized by loud vocalizations. And that's, that's a rarity. I mean, that, that happens with Tourette's, but that's not the main part of it. But here's the thing. How can you burst forth with a word that you've never heard before? You can't. Our children don't say mama first because it's a natural genetic thing that comes out of them. It's because mama sits there and goes, mama. Because dada is natural and genetic. <laughs> but those other things, they are not natural. And they're not going to say them unless they hear them. And we could sit down and tell a thousand stories about what our children have said while we're driving down the road because of what they heard somewhere and took us all by surprise. I remember when first time one of my sons said a bad word in the back seat, my wife said, where did you hear that? I said, shut up, woman, you don't want to know. <laughs> Might have come from his daddy. And we don't want that out in the open. That was my oldest. He turns 24 next week. Out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adultery, deeds of covenant and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and all foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and they defile a man. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 23. Let me back up. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11 says, The mouth of the righteous is a well of life. Verse 31 says, The mouth of the righteous bring forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut out. Verse 32, The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable. And we know what the right things to say and the wrong things to say are. As Christians, we know that profanity is not acceptable. We know the wages for sin is death and that we all sin. Nonetheless, we often rank our sins. When we rank sin, profanity is very often down low on it, on that list. And when I say rank sins, what's worse, murder or incest? Rape or child abuse? You see what I'm saying? Sin is sin. We know that the wages of sin are death, but we often, in our humanity, we rank these sins. And we say, oh, he's a murderer, you know, whatever. We just don't rank profanity very high up very often. And that's evident by what we tolerate and what we put up with. Let me make a point to you. No one trusts a murderer. Once convicted... Nobody trusts him. Child molester goes to prison. They don't last long. It's just wrong and, and the inmates take care of it. Nobody trusts a child molester. A rapist, nobody has any respect for that. What about the man who professes to be a Christian and lets one slip every once in a while? He generally got a good life and so you know what? Maybe cussing's not all that bad because so-and-so says it. 
Mark chapter 9 and verse 42 tell us about stumbling blocks. That's that very familiar passage that said it would be better for a millstone to be tied around your neck and thrown into the deep than to cause someone else to stumble. We've got to be careful with our tongues. Look at Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. The obvious thing that comes out here is a man is known by what comes out of his mouth. Because what comes out of his mouth comes from the heart if we start putting the scriptures together. You brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that every idle word that men may speak, every word we speak. You know, the Bible tells us we are judged by the word. This is our judge, the words that Jesus spoke that came from his Father. These will judge us, and these words are saying that we're going to have to account for every word that we speak. On the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified. By your words you will be condemned. Matthew chapter 12 verse 37. How do your words. What do they say about you? We must be careful how we speak. We must guard our hearts. If profanity is part of your vernacular. You need to stop it. You need to quit. You're not likely to repeat what you don't hear. I was in construction. I had to tell my guys, guys, I got a problem with my tongue. I'm trying to be a Christian. And some of the things that I say with with this mouth don't match up with the things that I want to believe in my mind. And if I hadn't told you today that I'm a Christian, you may not know because of what I've said. So here's the deal. I'm not saying it anymore. And to help me out, you're not either. Oh, Mr. Jeff. Oh, that's the way it's going to be. It's just what we're going to do. We're going to work hard on this together. Are you willing to do that with your coworkers? Say, hey, I don't need it. It's not about you. It's about me. I don't need it. I don't want to talk like that. Let me tell you something. If you hear it, it's going to happen. Our children attest to that. Those thousands of stories that we could have told, they heard it. They're going to use it. And if they hear it from the right people, they're going to use it in the right context. Just like they learn mommy and daddy. They'll learn those too. And folks, that applies to us. If the people around you cuss, then you got to tell them, hey, I don't need that. One of these days, one of these days, it's going to slip. Folks, I'm going to tell you, I've hit myself with a hammer, and I say, ow, that hurts. I've cut myself with a knife down to the bone. Ouch, think we got a problem. But in casual conversation, When that was something that I did, I never had to worry 
about an expletive coming out in pain. I just didn't do that. But my tongue was such that I had to watch when I was casually talking to somebody because it might just casually slip out. Folks, if you surround yourself with that, that goes down to the movies that we watch. I quit watching rated R movies. I turn the TV off when it's PG-13. I mean, I'll start it. If it comes up, i got to stop. I know my past. I know what's going to be brought up from the deep. Folks, if you already hear it at school and at work, why you need to watch it on your free time? Because it's coming the day when you make a mistake. As a coach, I didn't allow profanity among my players or my coaches or my parents. We don't do that here. We can't do that here because my salvation is at stake and the salvation of these children is at stake. Proverbs 21, 23. Whoever guards his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from trouble. Watch what you say. It'll cut down on what you have to deal with. Remember that other proverb? Even a fool looks smart when he keeps his mouth shut. And then what our mom said, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Whoever guards his mouth keeps his soul from trouble. It's interesting to me the denominational world encourages sinners to invite Jesus in their hearts to be saved. First of all, there's no biblical text to support that suggestion. That in itself is interesting. Um, But secondly, if Jesus were in the hearts of all those who invited him in, profanity would still be frowned upon by almost 75% of the population of the United States because that's the number of people that profess to be Christians in the United States. Matthew 7, 21, however, tells a little bit different story. It says, Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of the Father. Clearly, profanity does not glorify God and could not be His will. On the other hand, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 tells us God is not slack in His promise, as some count slackness, but is patient towards us, not wanting anyone to perish, but that we all come to repentance. If you have trouble with profanity, you need to repent. You need to give it up. You need to change your lifestyle. We quote Psalm 119, 105 as Christians. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Looking in God's word, we find several conditions for salvation. First of all, you must hear. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Upon hearing, you must believe. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John three sixteen. Upon hearing and believing, you must then repent. Change the course of your life. Truly, these times of ignorance, God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere. God commands all men everywhere to repent, Acts 17.30. You may be here tonight thinking, you know, what's in a bad word? It's just one. It's just a little bit. 
It's really no big deal. I hope, I hope you've learned differently now that you've overlooked that, that ignorance is gone. Now you know it's time to repent. When the course of your life changes, people will notice. And you will have the opportunity then to tell them why the course of your life has changed. For with the heart, the person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. Romans chapter 10 and verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21 says, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Upon hearing and believing, we are going to change and tell the world why we have changed and that we have been buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too might walk in the newness of life. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. Folks, that's the plan of salvation. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He died to take away your sin? Have you been baptized? Are you still walking in that newness of life? Are you walking in the Spirit? If not, whether it be from profanity or some other vice that separates you from God, Why do you sit there apart from God when you could be made whole again? Those words spoken in anger or weakness need not remain on record in the book of life. They could be erased or blotted out by the blood of Christ as any sin could be that's on your record. You've got to remember, it's not a hall of fame. This is where we come to grow. This is where we come to admit our weaknesses the body of Christ. This is where we come for prayers and for encouragement. Trust me when I say you're not alone. If you plan on living with God for eternity, then you have to start preparing sometime. Why not tonight? Why not right now? Part of the will of God is to encourage one another to love and good deeds. The man of God will not use profanity. Women of God will not use profanity. Do you need encouragement tonight? Give your life to Christ. It's traditional in the churches of Christ as we conclude a message. We offer a song of invitation. We offer a song of encouragement to make sure everybody understands you can make your life right. No matter where, where it's been, you start over right now to walk in a newness of life. Do you need that? Do you want that? Don't miss an opportunity to be encouraged by the church. Come now as we stand and sing.